0: Welcome to Syntalk. The Syntalkers around the table today discuss the murmurs before arrival. We'll think about signals and symptoms and whether signals always precede dramatic changes in any system. Does expectation of the future impact the future? Do we only anticipate what we have seen before? Do crowds act like magnets? Can history be stopped? Is it possible to get Parkinson's disease overnight? What leads to proteins misfolding? How can brand new warnings be heard and very deep repetitions recognized? How can we wisely look ahead? What can diseases teach us? What are the signals in the air today and what changes might lie ahead in the next hundred to two hundred years? We are pleased and privileged to have three SIN talkers with us here today. Hello. Professor Bekash chokrabarty He is a theoretical physicist working mainly in statistical physics and also its applications in social sciences. He is from Sahai Institute of Nuclear Physics and ISI in Calcutta. Professor Leonard Lawler, he is a professor of philosophy at Penn State University. His primary interests are 20th century German and French philosophy. And Professor Shrutip Tomaiti, he is a biophysicist interested in how proteins work. He uses light as a tool. He is from TIFR in Mumbai. So, uh, Len, why don't we set the ball rolling with you um, by asking you whether it surprises you that, you know, these things like premonition, intuition, um, anticipation, the fact that these things exist in the world, the fact that we seem to have that as a faculty of sort, some of us to some extent, does it surprise you that it exists? And what does it say about the world? What does it say about how the world is? What's your take on it?
1: I wouldn't say I'm surprised um, that they exist. I mean, um, the type of philosophy that I've worked in has been primarily interested in the structures of experience. Mm -hmm. And insofar as uh, experience seems to be fundamentally conditioned by time, so we always have a relationship to the past and relationship to the future, uh, retentions of the past and anticipations of the future, so this seems to be Part of human experience that's irreducible. Um, a lot of the work that I've done uh, actually is sort of contesting that structure to some degree, because it's been much more interested in unpredictability and what cannot be anticipated, and um, so what's, that's why what,
0: So, what's the answer to that? What cannot be anticipated?
1: Well, I mean, there's certain words we use to describe that. The one that be primary be an event. Mm-hmm. Cause it seems that just the fundamental meaning or basic meaning of the word event in English as we use it uh, uh, is that it would have to be something novel, not seen before. I mean, I don't, I don't think we would call an event something that we could predict or re- even recognize. So um, the criticism that uh, come out of the philosophy I've worked on, but I also engage in this, has been to criticize the, the very idea of recognition so that a, a genuine event... Uh, could occur, but also would contest uh, recognition. And you can see this is um, quite important in certain ways in terms of political situations, because, uh, you know, we have terrible uh, condition- problems with racism in the United States. So, so part of the racism is the recognition of people as something that we can categorize. So to introduce events and a lack of recognition should liberate those people from the sort of categories and prejudices within which Americans, white Americans like me, place them in.
0: Right, but that that, that still is, I mean, recognition is, uh, you know, labeling of a category that you already carry in your head, and it's right. in a way a process of just labeling what you encounter. Anticipation, presumably, and you, you should correct me if I'm wrong on this, is, is, is about having a feel for what might lie ahead and, you know, this, this business of placing something in time ahead of you um, and it's, it's it's a it's a bit different from recognition isn't it
1: yeah I would agree with that actually yeah I mean uh um, I mean this word murmur which I've apparently imposed on our, our talk here <laughs> uh, um, you know it comes out of uh, the French structuralist movement in in linguistics in the 1960s mm-hmm. Um But again, it's to deal with, it refers to sort of background uh, conditions or structures that are prior to people speaking. I mean, like articulate sentences that have meanings in them. There's certain conditions that make that possible.
0: It's pre-articulation. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, those murmurs can be, you can focus on them, at least the idea... In the study of history, and, and as in
0: its sound, but not speech yet, and so on and so exactly, forth.
1: Exactly, yeah. Mm. Uh, even it's sometimes called noise, even so that noise can be a function of a can be a kind of indicator or sign.
0: And who do you have in mind when you say
1: 1960s? Like uh, mainly Foucault uses this word, but but all, but a lot, but also Gilles Deleuze and Jacques Derrida use this word, but not as much as Foucault. It's really Foucault sort of puts it into into currency, philosophical currency. So. Um, So, you know, Foucault was mainly a historian, but he always wanted to look at, um, not at like famous events or famous like scientists or philosophers, he wanted to look at what was going on around them that we might not notice, but it was always an attempt to find things we didn't notice in history so that we would remember other ways of being, that we would have possibilities of being otherwise. That's always Foucault's phrase, how can we be otherwise than what we are right now? So he thought by going back to the past, but not in terms of like studying Napoleon's campaigns and right. But to look at other social conditions um, and linguistic conditions, especially to open up possibilities that we've forgotten. So um and
0: when you say that there are there are there are events, as you call them, yeah. are they are they are they merely superficial events that they might be repetitive in some very deep kind of way? Or, or, or you mean that in a, in a sharp enough, robust enough sense?
1: Yeah, I, I would uh, definitely say that in a robust sense. And um, again, I mean, um, one of the things I'm interested in, I didn't have in my little bio that you read, uh, is I'm interested in the phenomenon of violence. I've written on violence in the last 10 years, off and on. And, um, but in the event, um, uh, a real event, would actually be something that's kind of a shock to our sensibility, even a kind of violence to our sensibility to, um, to actually disorient the categories that we use. And I would think that type of event um, is really what I, what I would have in mind because obviously uh, a violent action um, it is something that, that really happens to us and, and we don't have control over. It really is unpredictable, but also it's of such an intensity that it's disorienting. So um, I... I Probably this sounds kind of strange, but... It, uh
0: and e- e- even to the actors involved in that, let's say in that scene of violence or whatever, e- even to the perpetrator, w- would it be an event even for that perpetrator? Because one is to kind of look at it at, at a distance. But I mean, I think the question that we're trying to ask most simply is whether for occurrings and happenings in the world, in a somewhat more laymanish sense, whether there are always signals ahead of time to what might occur. Later, right? I, I, and we can kind of mean that in that sense. Of course, we realize that as, philo- as a philosopher, you may be using it with, with a nuance that may be more. No, I, I
1: think that's uh, that's correct. That's what I'm using. I mean, um, I would say that uh, what happens with uh, this kind of shock to our sensibility. I mean, I don't know whether the perpetrator would see this an event. I mean, events happen to us, so it's, we're always in a position of passivity hmm. for them. So, you cannot
0: uh, will an event to happen.
1: No, I, I would think you cannot cause an event to happen or will it to happen. You have to. You have to. It happens to you. But right. it would But it. But an event of enough intensity, um, like intense pain, uh, would disorient the categories by means of which we think, and especially the forms by means of which we think. And once those forms have been, uh, say, dissolved by the event. Then one might hear something like a murmur, and therefore that murmur would be something that would, you'd have to react to it and bring forth something something else, uh, some sort of something new. So the murmur would function as a sign, but only after the event. Right. So, um, right.
0: What is it for you, Shudipto? I think, you know, we are in, obviously in the philosophical territory, but if one were to think of it, somewhat more physiologically, neurologically, and so on, areas that you're more familiar with and where you work. Uh, obviously, there are all sorts of events, right? I mean, you've worked in neurodegenerative diseases, for example, for a while. Um, and, you know, one could say that now maybe there's no one fine day or one fine moment where Parkinson's happens or Alzheimer's happens, you know, these onset is gradual. How gradual is that? What does it mean to you? Where do signals lie? How, how, how does one
2: wrap one's head around that? You know, um, sometimes I'm in search of a word and what happens is then I think, am I going to get Alzheimer's uh, soon? Right. Because Alzheimer's can actually, because they work on it, the molecular signals sometimes precede the actual disease by 10 years or 20. Oh, that, that long? Yes. Yeah, so there is, in that sense, a very long murmur before the event. It's just well, that very faint, murmur nobody is very faint murmur, but nobody is there to really um, look at it and measure it, because obviously before the event has happened, your observation anticipating the event, if it's not there, then you don't see catch catch the signals. So this is something that I think about, but of course it's also true that some of those murmurs are uh, things which may or may not lead. To the actual event. So, as a scientist, I know just so because. What, what causes Alzheimer's, for example? So, uh, is, at the very heart of it, it's proteins which are molecules in our body which get sticky and they stick to each other. So,
0: there's like that amyloid aggregation. That's called amyloid that. aggregation. You are and, very and, right. And this happens 10, 20
2: years in advance. Of that it, can it becoming happen. A severe form. So, we didn't know this. Uh, uh, before, but now we understand that because lots of people are being studied for Alzheimer's who don't yet have Alzheimer's, but that's run in, that runs in their family or something. So there's a large, what we call cohort, uh, that are being studied. So now it's, and they've been studied now for about, at least very well for about six to seven years, a large cohort's been studied. People who are at risk of Alzheimer's and they're uh, proteins and the protein aggregation states are being measured throughout the year, so we know that it can proceed at least by 10 years or so uh, of the actual event. But as a scientist, so that, that,
0: that sounds straightforward. Is there a problem with that? So if there's it, a problem. There's so a, if, there, if there's a history of Alzheimer's in my family, for example, mm. is it as straightforward as me checking for this thing every year? And and, and, and you know, once you know that, and is there anyone anything one can do about it? Is another question. But yeah. is the pre-diagnosis of it or whatever you call it. So
2: you're saying, is the murmur definite for the the event to happen? Yes. And it's not. And that's what also saves my thinking as a scientist. (laughs) Because I get scared when I'm in search of a word, and I know I used to know that word, but I have forgotten. But I also know that this is one of the possible signals, and there has to be uh, many more of things that have to come together. Many more causes have to come together for me to get that particular event. So any given murmur, did not lead to that event.
0: So is it, is it just a case of it being necessary but not sufficient, or there are many causes? Like, what kind of a phenomenon is it?
2: So it is, uh, so protein aggregation uh, that happens in your body that you can uh, measure is, as you said it right, it's not necessary but not sufficient. And um, it's also our ability to read the language. It may be, what I call protein aggregation, is not exactly the same every time we see it. So I can measure something. I can grossly give a number to it, but it's actually not a single number, but many numbers. And I'm just giving one single number to it and trying to correlate the event that comes later in terms of that number. Yet I'm ignoring the fact that there are many numbers associated with this. So is your point
0: that whatever the measure of uh, you know protein aggregation in this case might be, that number doesn't keep going up with. E- with with passage of time or you say is it volatile is that your point or it's something else
2: the point is like um, I would say I'll give an example sure I look at a lady who is beautiful and I say with age the beauty recedes sure but beauty is not a number sure somebody else who is seeing something and trying to draw a conclusion for it from it May not see it that way because I have synthesized in that word beauty and that's uh, you know it, that fact that is receding many parameters. Sure. So when I say protein aggregation, just so imagine. So quantitative
0: um, measurement is not straightforward. Single,
2: pa- it's not a single parameter. Single parameter. parameter and therefore, what I'm trying to capture in a single parameter doesn't contain all the information. Hmm. And I think that's also a problem where I am uh, sort of in t- touch with what he is saying that. Uh, you see the murmurs, and there is an event, and what you understood, if I understood Len correctly, is saying the event is such a sudden happening that was not there, at least in a predictable way, in the murmur that preceded it. In this, of course, in this science, in Alzheimer's, it is much more related. If you call getting Alzheimer's the event, then it is definitely related to the murmurs that precede it. But the murmurs that precede it need not be sufficient conditions. And our ability to read those murmurs in terms of numbers may not be accurate enough. So both in the our ability to look at the signal and the number of other signals that are needed to cause the event would not be there. So the point is, I tell myself, there is nothing to be scared of, even if you're forgetting your son's name. It could be something else. I, I think the question, though, is that are we
0: what are we grappling with here? Are we, are we grappling with coming up with the mechanics with the mathematics and the dynamics behind all these things? Is it are we short on mathematics?
2: Are we short on being able to model it or or what's the issue? The issue is both a complete mathematical lack of a complete mathematical understanding, but also lack of knowledge about the initial parameters. That are important in this. The stuff of protein aggregation is definitely one important parameter, and uh, because it the maybe the phenomenon though- of you know memory loss or whatever the
0: the the symptoms or the implications of Alzheimer's are hmm. are physiological, right? I mean they happen no. and. They're very real. So presumably the correlates or whatever the causes are. So is it is it a mathematical problem is the question? Uh,
2: it's it's not really a, just a mathematical problem because you know as most of your physiological things, it's a product of many things that are happening in the body. And this also is a product of that. Perhaps if we had information about all the parameters, it may not be so tough to actually do the mathematics. In fact, when we reproduce this in a test tube in oh. a lab, we do uh, fit equations to the growth of these protein particles in a test tube. Right. And they fit reasonably well. I mean, there are also variants that you cannot control. But the same thing happening in the body, plus it's not just the protein aggregation, there are other things that have to come in. That makes the prediction but rather But is there an
0: element of stochasticity even inside the test tube? Or are you able to say that this
2: this event is going to happen at this point in time? Now, there is actually some stochasticity even in a test tube because it's what is called a many-body problem. So different things have to come in. There are nucleation events that have to happen for the aggregation to grow. And these nucleation events are very stochastic. So lots of times this will be about to happen and it will evaporate. And then again it will happen. And once in a while it will grow large enough, a little crystal or little aggregate, that suddenly it will become a magnet for other things to come in and that protein aggregate so will this grow. So nucleation,
0: for example, sounds a little bit like an event um, because it, it's sharp enough and it is it is some kind of a coming together of a bunch of factors. Because maybe it's a good time to go to you. You know, if we think of uh, some of these using notions of, um, and you know, we'll get to the social side of things in a while, but just using notions of statistical physics, you um,
3: where are yeah, you on okay. this? Are, is, Before is, I connect yeah. to uh, Land or uh, Sudipto, I mean, let me uh, try to st- start uh, in a philosophical way that na- all the natural sciences actually start with the kind of uh, background rule of game is that to look for that dynamics, which has given rise to this phenomenon, whatever phenomenon, whether in physics or in chemistry or in biology. And all natural sciences have this and uh, that. And in physics in particular, we start with some mechanics that, I mean, in time and how the system evolves. Right. Now, in some cases, as uh, Newton did, I mean, there are very, very uh, common cases where the equations are so precise and, uh, in a sense, so simple today that, uh, and also one uh, simplistic nature or aspect of the equation is that it's, in a sense, what technically is called mathematically a linear set of equations. So what happens is that it is like, uh, I mean, in a uh, when the water is flowing uh, in a streamlined way, if you put two ink drops, one with different colors on a neighboring site, that, that color uh, stretch will grow. But you can see that they are growing in a kind of regular way. They may be going away apart, but not very unusually a sharp way of uh, uh, deviating from each other. So that we call streamlined situation because it is governed by some linear regime. But then there are some kind of situations when turbulence occurs that it becomes the governing equation becomes uh, beyond a little Newtonian way and it becomes non-linear. And then the same two ink dots with two, two different colors, if you put, uh, in few seconds, they, they, they with the, the tracks will be separated out exponentially away. And what will happen is that you do not know that this change, minor change in the initial condition has given rise to completely separate I mean, this happens in society so often that even two twins, I mean, twins also develop completely differently if they are brought up in different uh, environment and, and so, so on.
0: So are you calling systems linear and non-linear or you... The
3: dynamical system may have linear features, may not have. I mean, for many things, in mechanics, we, we were fortunate to have linear situations valid for a long, long time. And so sure. we had these expectations that everything can be predicted very easily. Sure. Now, this is because, and that basic philosophy is ingrained in entire co- uh, natural sciences. Again, it co- cannot be, I mean, we believe that it cannot be that due to the, I mean, if the equations were known, and if I could give the initial, what they call, I mean, you also mentioned initial parameters or initial conditions, absolutely the same, like in, in the two ink drops, uh, not at different places, if i could give the same inputs at the same place i would get the same result
0: what is the equivalent of initial conditions for you for let's let's say we were discussing amyloid aggregation is there is is there an yeah. analog of that in i mean, i, I, I there, know all brains are different and our brains themselves are changing all the time and I mean, proteins are not sitting next to each other so we understand these are very complex but what would init- the equivalent of initial condition be? So, local
2: concentrations.
0: Concentrations.
2: Local concentrations of the protein. We do believe that that fluctuates. Certainly, uh, few proteins can find themselves close to each other in a slightly low pH environment, which helps segregation and it might just nucleate. So, uh, yes, initial concentration, actually fluctuations of those concentrations locally, which would be the yeah. uh, equivalent events. One small fluctuation may give rise to some aggregation, in absence of that fluctuation, it may not uh, give rise to that aggregation. So, 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 so.
3: inability of kind of characterizing this kind of initial concentration or other parameters maybe, temperature for example, I mean, all, all these kinetics is dependent on, I mean, the chemical kinetics will depend on so many things and some fluctuations, this is due to, you may call it due to our ignorance or due to our inability to control entirely the Uh, conditions, sometimes we do not get to know even. If something is happening at the earth's mental level, some minor uh, deviations, although we know the equation of the earth's movements and the tectonic plate movements, we cannot solve until the entire thing and we cannot predict when the earthquake will occur. But that doesn't mean that there was, if I would know the real initial conditions by some means, someday if it is available, I would be able to uh, predict the when it will occur and where.
0: So, it seems this like is, you're, in a, you're in a little bit of a deterministic camp on if you knew everything and if you knew... Yeah,
3: yeah. So, what we do is, as you uh, uh, mentioned the term, that we kind of cover up this kind of lack of our knowledge of initial condition or even inability of our knowledge uh, to access those things, data, called a stochastic environment. I mean, that these stochasticities put in And then we even try to allow various kinds of stochastic uh, noise and then try to solve our whatever dynamics we have in mind. So that sometimes uh, is not so easy uh, with this stochasticity. And as he rightly pointed out that this is, um, I mean, most of our uh, systems, even in society also, is a many body systems in the sense that many uh, degrees of freedom, what we technically call, are actually interacting together and giving out an emergent property, Mm. which we see. Mm. And we want to understand that. We face those consequences. So, this just little stochastic fluctuation may end up in a different kind of consequences. So, that's why, I mean, uh, uh, our, um, I mean, our, present-day science sometimes are not capable of telling you everything or predicting when the Alzheimer will come.
0: Again, but because the question of what can be predicted and whether we can say what lies ahead is a little bit distinct, and I want to make that distinction, okay. and hopefully it's not too wrong. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit distinct from saying that are there signals in the present of what might yeah. be, you know, are there signals ahead yeah. in yeah. time, things that we can spot or detect or... Yeah intercept in some way mm-hmm. uh, and that's a little bit different from saying that can be predict. I mean, maybe it's the same thing and I'm just playing with words here um, where yes. are we on I this so if, come if, to if, this if now. water becomes ice or ice becomes vapor or whatever and simple or complex systems are there are there traces are there things to say that you know what there is something mm-hmm. that we can measure or look at or diagnose or intercept which which tells me reasonably firmly that this shall happen in the future.
3: And here, I will uh, consider what Lain was saying about event and uh, perhaps Alzheimer is another kind of um, example. Is that, I mean, uh, in a sense, there are, uh, we sometimes call it a phase transition. The system was kind of behaving in some way, but then in thermodynamic systems we call phase, a phase of the system has changed. Ice water is a uh, good example. So, what is a phase? If, I mean, well, it is best uh, by example that ice is one phase of water. Sure,
0: but what, what is a phase? I think yeah. sometimes
3: it, one can miss something if you just do ice water. Yeah, what we call <laughs> is, I mean, uh, in this, uh, this is a general description, usually with an equation of state. I mean, so it's sure. getting even more complicated that That's gas has any, had an equation in the sense that if you decrease the volume at a fixed temperature, pressure will increase in a particular way. So
0: the set of equations that describe a phase would be yeah. one and set, cha- is another changing. phase would it's be the, changing f- the set of equations phase. change.
3: Sure. Now, that kind of, uh, I mean, you uh, mentioned about magnets, ferromagnets going to paramagnet. I mean, the right. magnetic uh, magnetization as a function of external field and temperature is completely changing right so if you i mean in the ferromagnet phase ferromagnetic phase if you have an external uh, if you even if you do not have an external field you can get the magnetization in the system but in the paramagnetic phase if you do not have a magnetic external magnetization uh, magnetic field you do not get any magnetization Len, what would be so this change in equation of state is a phase transition? Yes. Len, what that...
0: would be a phase for you? I mean, because in a way we're saying you go from one kind of state yeah. to another kind of state, one kind of phase to another kind of phase. If, if you get the drift of what we're trying to grapple with here, now when we say when we say event, for example, or you know, one can pick one's words and or or bring up something totally different. Eventually, we're talking of two different kinds of systems.
1: Oh yeah, I would uh, even. Use a, a, a variation on the word phase and, and talk about an event as a, a phase and unphase,
3: because mm-hmm. at
1: least to my ears, phases imply continuity, where uh, an event I would think again just by our the way we use the word as a is a, a moment of discontinuity, something new happens. So um, mm-hmm. so I, I would think that, that for an event there's not this yeah you know, not really an intermediate phase between one thing and another. It's an abrupt. Abrupt change.
0: Are these transitions abrupt?
3: It can be abrupt. It can be continuous. I mean, uh, called usually called first order transition if it is abrupt, first, second order transition if it is not. But that's not important. Important is uh, what we know now. Mm-hmm. Whenever this phase transition occurs, this dramatic change in the phase of the system, mm-hmm. collective many body system as you were talking, this can be a magnet, this can be society, this can be... Uh, Water uh, sure. system going to ice. Now, before this happens, there are a very particular way of growing some signals. Right. What is that? That's and okay. In the magnetic case, you could measure what is called susceptibility. What? How susceptible is the magnetic system to a little increase in the external magnetic field? Mm-hmm. What is its response? How much the magnetization changed due to this small? increment in the external magnetic field. Now this value will be suddenly going very dramatic and then beyond the transition again it comes down. Right. So, and this is a very simple so measurement. So this is actually Sometimes
0: you're, you're just measuring magnetic field. Or magnetic
3: system. They, then the compressibility in uh, the fluid case. Right. The how, I mean the same amount of little like increase in pressure you, the volume, cha- volume decreases say increase in pressure will decrease the volume but this decrease was not that much, I mean, but as I'm approaching the uh, I mean freezing point, it is changing very rapidly. this change is g- becoming uh, very i mean it is very perceptible you can actually predict from sitting in one phase how it is growing that what would be what would be the so uh, before you approach zero point.
0: degrees in the case of water, you know that yeah I mean, you may not know that it'll turn into ice if you've never seen ice, but you know that some kind of a dramatic Mm -hmm. change is ahead. Would that be fair?
3: Yes, uh, uh, that is always done. (laughs) People measure the growth in relaxation time, the increase in compressibility, susceptibility in magnets, compressibility in fluids. And there are are particular, I mean, this is one particular mathematical way of expressing these fluctuations. And these are very, very well established for over the last, 70 years or so, it is now very established. And But this is not the only way for and this, I mean, the behavior of how the signals that were coming out before the phase transition, or if you are approaching the phase transition in the opposite direction, how this is not the only way, this critical, what is called critical fluctuations and so on. So there are uh, differences social sciences has very particular we'll, differences. We'll get to yeah. that, Vikash. Yeah.
0: Is, that, is that an equivalent of that in your world? Or uh, I think Vikash has the benefit of dealing only with the physical systems. Uh, it's presumably easier. Yeah, yeah I, I can uh, sort of um,
2: say that, uh, you know, I work with also lasers and uh, lasers have pulses, they're uh, pulse lasers. And a pulse of a laser is a very funny quantity because it's a continuous thing and if you, it has an exact mathematical description And if you look at the front part of the laser, so the pulse is, say, coming at you. Right. And you could only feel the front, very tiny pedestal of that laser pulse coming in. Mm -hmm. It has, if you you, understand the... you, You being, like, where is that laser pulse going? So the laser pulse is going from one point of space to another point of space. That could be you coming towards you. Sure. And it's a pulse in time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, say the intensity of the laser increases and then decreases and it has not yet reached you. So, I'm asking the question, suppose you just feel that a laser pulse is coming because a very tiny increase in the light intensity has happened. You don't know what is coming later because the laser pulse you haven't seen yet. If it's a laser pulse, there's enough good mathematical description of it, you could already tell when the actual pulse will arrive, how strong it will be, when it will decay. There are dramatic examples of this that people can actually make systems where a pulse starts entering, let's say, a, a bucket. Okay, which has, in this sense, some cold atoms or whatever. You can and anticipate the, the entire pulse. You, you can, can. Inter- anticipate the entire thing. So, in a even sense, even before it arrives. So. Yeah, even before it has actually arrived. So you can people have seen a pulse, the top of the pulse exit the uh, container before the top of the entry pulse has actually entered because the container is made in such a and way. And this is not an illusion. or no, this is not. This is not a, an illusion is what is called superluminal transmission. It goes faster than C because before the pulse has entered, it has already exited. It goes faster than C. It goes faster than C, apparently. But But that's because the pulse is not a point object. Is that why? Okay. So (laughs) you're coming (laughs) to the right point. You know what I I mean? Yes. So what I was trying to say is that so by looking at the front of the pulse, any physicist would be able to predict what is going to come. Right. And in fact, the system can be rigged in a way that it comes out, that information comes out in an actual pulse right. before this pulse has come. So in a right. sense, what happens, this pulse decays, that pulse, uh, this thing, there is no loss of energy and there is no actually violation of anything. But the point I'm saying to say is that if you try to make a new information, mm-hmm. something that by looking at the pedestal of the pulse you could not anticipate, mm-hmm. then that requires a kink in that pulse. A sort of abrupt change in that pulse. Then there is new information in it, and there is no way that you could have predicted that kink right. is coming. So right. this is also a question of um, the will of a person who is trying to transmit n- information through the pulse and put something in. And that kink, even mathematically, cannot travel so fast. Or that information is not there in the pedestal to predict it. So in so a sense, be, I so think I am connecting back to what Len was saying. What you'd call, he would call, I guess, a real event. It was not encoded. And it's entirely industry.
0: singular. So your pulse, for example, without the kink, is one thing. I won't call it singular. It's one thing. Yes. It's, it's, it's one a, thing. And the in, a introduction uh, of a kink has kind of in some way deformed its mathematical integrity or whatever the that's right.
2: notion might have been. Yeah. So you have caused some change and that cause couldn't have preceded, you know, violating uh, relativity. So people who are at the receiving end couldn't have uh, interpreted the initial parts as something that there is a kink coming. So if Len, that's the are there
0: are there you know, I, I know I know you're in the camp where you want the event to be radically unknown and it just comes out of nowhere. But are there conditions where they're more likely to be found or where they're more likely to occur, or you you wouldn't even go in that direction? because at least from the and i we have to be very careful about carrying concepts mm-hmm. too freely from one area to another but you know as we've thought of the physical systems or we think of the spells or the brain for that matter there seem to be there seems to be some build up to an event um, is, there, is there an equivalent of a build up are there conditions are there
1: well i mean i i, I was uh, probably talking about an event uh, two kinds of events one would be completely unpredictable like this event of of intense pain that could change the way one would think about the world. But but obviously when you think about the world in a different way or, or the pain presents a problem, like Alzheimer's disease presents a problem, uh, but if you really, like you, you're worried, I worry about getting Alzheimer's as well because I can't remember names either at this point in my life. But I mean, but that could have an effect on you to make you think in a different way. But then if you're going to think in a different way, obviously you're going to make use of your prior learning to think but you'd have to transform that prior learning to actually generate, say, um, a cure, which would be a genuine novel event, uh, uh, an invention, uh, that would be have to rely on the prior conditions of your education, what you know, your experiments. But obviously the, the solution or the invention itself would be something never seen before, and therefore it would be another event. Uh, but I mean, the stimulation... At least the way that I'm conceiving this, the stimulation would always have to come from the outside, come from something not that you don't know about already. and But then it would lead to a transformation of the way you think. So I, I have this um, one experience that, that uh, not a personal experience, but it's uh, one that we all know about learning to swim. Mm. So, you know, it's so a learning to swim, you, know, you can have a coach or a, a trainer and teach you all the movements and, Teach you all the movements, and uh, right. Um, and then you might learn to swim in a swimming pool, which there's no waves, but then when you're thrown into the ocean where there's lots of waves and lots of disturbances, uh, you have to adjust your body in ways you couldn't have predicted. But obviously, you did learn how to swim, you, you know, the strokes, you know, when to take your breaths, things like that. But obviously, that impact of the waves, uh, and those the water going into your mouth and all these things that happen to you only in the ocean, that's going to make you transform how you think about swimming or how you actually, how you physically swim. You're going to, have to transform it. Like I, I, you know, I live in the Eastern part of the United States. So I go to the Atlantic ocean all the time for my vacations. I, I'm terrified of the Atlantic ocean. The waves are too violent and you know, just too unpredictable. So <laughs> I, I never get in the water. I just like, you know, cause I, I can swim, but, not under those conditions, you know, so, but that would be a stimulus to transform the way you've been trained. And then we can make parallels to scientific discovery, artistic creation. There has to be a stimulus that leads to a reformulation of, say, artistic techniques to give rise to a new kind of painting, which then could become a kind of style of painting. But the first one is really an event in the history of painting. And you so, know, this I'm, is also the, it's easier for me to analogize to art and literature rather than to to science. So, uh, but biological science, I think, has more problems than in physical systems in terms of predictability and unpredictability. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and, you know, if if one is in the domain of the personal and, you know, things like figuring out swimming and being one in the ocean and so on and gr- grappling with whatever's there, do you, do you think of the social systems and the political systems in a Slightly different way because you know the way the way a singular event or a pencil falling off or a bottle tripping over is slightly different from you know more events happening within the system, phase transition in the system, something going from being anarchic to non-anarchic or something going from being of, of a certain kind to another kind. Now there are obviously there's an accumulation of a variety of agents or entities coming together and you know, some kind of a parameter. Converging in some direction. So, would you think of the the let's call it many body systems, or whatever kind? It could be social or political in a slightly different way. Or would you would your characterization of event be very similar to how we are doing it in the somewhat more personal personal domain?
1: Yeah. No, I, I would think it'd be. Again, I've not worked that much in thinking about political or social systems, so I, I don't sure. feel that confident in what I'm going to say. But, it, but I would think it'd be a similar kind of uh, kind of event. But I mean, all of your questions been about conditions, and I mean, obviously there, there can be conditions that are, I would think, relatively invisible in a society, which would contribute to to an event, a, a real radical rupture in the way the society works. Um, philosophers I, lived, uh, I worked on lived long enough to see global the global market develop, and uh, they actually found this interesting because it actually meant that capitalism was put into the hands of people that didn't actually have access to capitalism before, and therefore the possibility was that people that weren't exposed to it would actually could transform it at a very small level, micro, micro almost microscopic level. But then enough people are doing these small changes in how capital works that it could lead to a kind of transformation of capitalism. Uh, but I mean, I, I again, I'm not confident in my knowledge of world economics at this point to say whether that's even possible. I mean, Philosophers I worked on died in the 1990s, and the the world market had just appeared. I mean, really, it just appeared in the beginning of the 90s. But they were strangely optimistic about this because Mm -hmm. what they were seeing was— I'm not going on too long. What they were seeing was how English is now used in almost every part of the world, but that means there's all these dialects being developed of English and perversions of it, which would undermine, they would think, would undermine sort of the major categories— i mean of what you think through english mm-hmm. so i mean the example actually the is like black english american african american english which i, I sometimes i can't understand what they're, what they're saying i mean it sounds like english words to me but the syntax is all strange and but they're saying things that you know i just can't understand but it's still english but it's a transformative it transforms the very structure the syntax and the semantics of the english language so again they were that was their their model for Economic or social change, as well as what happens to to a major language. Well, it used to be French was the world language, you know, but now it's English. And uh, but if, but having access to these things allows you to also play with them. Goes back them. to
0: the point of dissolution of forms in a exactly, way that you were yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so and forms in a way are as you as you pointed out some kind of structures of experience. You. Yeah. You look at the world around you. You put them in boxes and you yeah exactly you, you, categories and general
1: concepts yeah. So so
0: so what follows that? What follows? Um, I know you mentioned a while ago that the event leads to the dissolution of forms. Um, what what comes to be after that? Is there is there a way of coming up with a metaphysics of something of that nature, or it's obviously it's uncharted territory. One doesn't know what yeah. happens.
1: Well, I mean, this is, again, how at least the philosophy I work on is, is very different from, from the sciences. Well, I mean, right. and maybe this will sound kind of strange, but, I mean, uh, we valorize unpredictability. So the predictability is always the, uh, what we try to criticize. So when I was hearing you talk about the parameters, I was hearing indetermination. Right. But that's also valorized in the philosophy that I do is to, uh, but it's more oriented from human experiences like the preservation of freedom, Rather than having determinism, so if you can find the indeterminacy in a system that allows for change to take place, and obviously choices and things like that, so what follows though would be from the indetermination would be unpredictable, and again the the model would be like the creation of a work of art or the creation of a novel, which is called a novel because it's new, right? right? And uh, uh, or creation of a new mode of thinking—that's uh, what philosophers are interested in: new modes of thinking. So. Um, but again, through, it's really about transformation. But again, the transformation would not be predictable. Again, I think a genuine scientific discovery is really something that there were conditions for it, but again, the discovery is radically different. You must know Thomas Kuhn's theory of paradigm changes. I mean, this is a, a classic book, And but a paradigm change is a major transformation in the way we, we view natural phenomenon or... Uh, all kinds of phenomena. So, uh, but that's 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 the idea.
0: Have you been able to, Vikash, uh, think of uh, with your physics, think of social systems and social dynamics and profitably enough? And you know, that I, uh, clearly these are very complex questions and issues. But what works and what doesn't, and what's what's the rough glimmer of hope? How how do you characterize those systems?
3: Well, I mean, uh, first of all, historically, I mean. Um, I mean, physical laws, I mean, trying to capture some physical laws in social systems like economics and so on is a long story. I mean, it's not that, I mean, it has just started. It has uh, recently been uh, much more intensive. The research has been much more intensive. One important aspect compared to like in classical physics, for example, I mean, as I was telling that there is an equation and you solve the equation based on the initial conditions or something. Now, in the case of human society or something, there is an additional ingredient because each person not only has uh, the initial background, I mean, of course, uh, which uh, I mean, may change from society to society, community to community and so on, and you may have some knowledge about that and put that in the in your equations, but there is another thing. Everybody has an expectation about the future. Now, right. that is based on some kind of calculation. It is not uh, completely uh, out of blue. But whatever it is, since I, I do not have every knowledge about the everybody's uh, I mean, sure. way of extrapolating about future, they, whatever, the, I mean, that's the stochastic part. I mean, I have to... In, in, take into account and then I have an additional thing that what is this uh, this agent's uh, not only past but also what is expectation its expectation of the about the future. Now, that How
0: do you aggregate expectations? Then
3: you uh, solve your equations. That's not very easy because every time you solve, (laughs) because the the person will change his expectations. The expectation changes the future. And if you solve, I mean, if it is known to work, then this person will uh, change. change, I mean, go for stock market and you will immediately realize if I know that next day this will happen, then I will change my uh, things. So Len would be happy with this person
0: because he was exhibiting freedom.
3: Uh, this is not a freedom. But anyway, I mean, this is very difficult in the mathematical structure to accommodate. Right. And uh, so there are many kinds of uh, ways to do it. But this is not just in economics, in social, uh, social phenomena, there are many such situations. But sometimes these are so simple that you can, and you, we every day solve it in a very, very naive way. Such I mean, as what it's called. One of the uh, things is the stadium evacuation. Suppose there is a, either a fire or a kind of hoax, that there is a fire. Right. People will clog at the outlet, and then they will not come out. Able to they? they will not be able to come out. So this, what the engineers do is very very Then everybody very acts the same way. I mean, they they, they just act in the same way. People are, are more homogeneous. There than... is no difference now. I mean, from a Hindu or a Muslim or or a Christian or a professor and a idiot. <laughs> it's the same thing they are doing. So there is no change in ex- oh, whatever future. Immediate future is the same for everybody. Right. And then they are doing. So immediately the solution is hydrodynamic solution. You just put a block so that not more than one person can get out. And uh, so what happens is in the emergency exist, you actually do not allow more than one person. I mean, there is a uh, big uh, obstacle So that, I mean, uh, it actually reduces the current, but still it helps.
0: Why does everybody have the same expectation? Everybody hears the same murmur. Because
3: the the immediate reaction is to get out. And there is no other uh, thing. I mean, what I will go do after uh, getting out is different. But at that stage, we do not have the only and the initial condition also do not matter. Whether I was a professor or.
0: Do you think of this kind of a crowd as a magnetized this kind of crowd? This happens
3: sometimes when uh, some of these uh, major, uh, I mean, these 2008 uh, crashes, crashes were happening and so. Everybody almost had. The, immediately we go to the bank and uh, want to sell whatever I have. Now, I mean, I uh, say whatever deposit. Then bank will collapse. I mean, immediately bank will collapse. I mean, so you have to take some measure that either state or uh, somebody intervenes that, I mean, they take care that it, people do not go to the bank and sell their. Because if I want to uh, encash my bonds, all of the bank's clients do it. Sure, sure, sure. Because surely going to fail. Sure. That they know. Sure. But the thing is that can happen. And then uh, we have to take measure that way. So that that doesn't happen. Now, it, it is not a great thing. It is a small, small things. But in traffic, uh, I mean, traffic engineers, most of our traffic engineers, when they, uh, and this green light, how how long the green light and all these things. They just uh, assume that these are actually these, all these car drivers. Again, uh, whether a professor or a uh, stupid is uh, driving, the main thing is that uh, these cars are different from particles in the sense that it has a particular way of accelerating and it can accelerate itself. You don't have to push from back or bang from It can on its own accelerate. That's the only difference from a Newtonian particle. You just put that, solve the hydrodynamics and do the calculations. All the traffic engineers are doing it. So, in many of our social systems, for a long, long time, we do apply physical things. And if there are physical systems have some prior signals for any major catastrophe, here also there are. So these are all known, and this uh, this way the traffic engineers earn their uh, li- livelihood. So uh, that's not a new thing. Right, so these no, are not major social phenomena which we are actually um, mostly addre- I mean interested in addressing. But there also people are trying to develop these kind of things if there could be, some of these expectations could be easily extrapolated because there are, I mean, there are now physical models of brain. I mean, how, I mean, how an artificial computer can be developed. I mean, there are very simple physical models which are now, I mean, some of these things are, some of these features are all...
0: And so, we are obviously talking a very different and wide range of phenomena. For example, yeah. in your case, uh, Shuldipto, the, 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 uh, are all let's let's just stick to neurodegenerative diseases. Are they all same in some way? What what's the
2: common thing to all of them? Typical common thing is the protein aggregation, but then in, for each neurodegenerative disease, the protein, protein is different mm. for each in each case. But, uh, but hearing Len and hearing Vikash, uh, what I think that there are two different kinds of events possible. In one case, the grounds are sort of prepared. Right. Okay. with just something is about to happen. Even in science when discoveries happen, lots of people are looking for clues and you could sense this is happening, that is happening and something is about to come out because there are enough indications at least to the trained person to know something is going to come out. Yet it's unpredictable because from which lab it comes out, who has this one little idea that makes Mm -hmm. it cross over is not known. So in Mm -hmm. that case it is unpredictable but it's also Something that you could sense there is a groundswell for it. Hmm. Something is about to happen, but then there are other things which are what he would call paradigm changing. You couldn't state from the ground situations that something like this will happen. Yet in science we see thoughts, equations, ways to describe the world suddenly come out that changes the that way to that we of look nowhere. at everything. Hmm. And in this case, I think it will be very hard to predict when a paradigm change will happen. Similarly, in neurodegenerative diseases, that if you keep measuring many, many parameters, you'd have a reasonable way to predict that perhaps something is going to happen, if not this year, maybe in the next five years. Yet, there are other ways that such things happen, uh, maybe by chemical drug abuse and things like that.
0: Are there thresholds that you can say you've crossed, which make it almost certain that now, well, it may be a mild kind of cognitive impairment or whatever in the beginning, but thou shalt get Alzheimer's. I mean, you are, you've crossed the point, point of no it. return. or uh, it's art. not
2: v- absolutely clear but people are looking for such things that can predict that you're going to get because then that guy definitely needs treatment. One of the yeah. big debates is, yes, I we see some protein aggregation, but do we intervene or not? Yeah. It's a different issue that we do not know how to intervene. But suppose you have a, a medicine <laughs> mm-hmm, right. which typically would turn out to be somewhat toxic for some other reasons. Sure. Would you administer it anticipating that if something will happen in 10 years later, it will be very valuable to know that you have hit a point of no return that yeah. this is now <laughs> bound to happen very soon. Sometime, maybe we would not be able to predict, but this guy is going and to get presumably Alzheimer's. the difficulty with that again is the fact that it's all multi-factor and it's… That's what is a bit difficult. But this, these are things with, uh, you know, observations over a large population would sooner or later help us establish with reasonable degree of accuracy that this guy is going to get it perhaps very soon this will happen this is not going to be surprising to anybody however exactly when it happens we will not know and plus there is but like this is two in the routes. groundswell camp this is in that camp where there's a build up to that's right event but can it happen dramatically can yes, it happen it drastically can. it can so it's imagine that you know you are climbing um a mountain, and you know that you're getting close to the ridge, uh, to the edge, and you're somewhat partially blind, so you don't know when it's going to happen, but you can feel you're climbing. You have climbed very high. Sooner or later, this is going to come. Right. That's one way. That's right. uh, possible that it happens, perhaps, in the majority of the cases that we see uh, uh, these diseases, and we yet do not know what all those parameters are, but sooner or later, we'll understand. Sure. The other thing is that you're standing somewhere, suddenly the ground collapses. Right. And you had no uh, way to understand or to pre- to have a premonition about that will happen. Can that can that happen with that like does Alzheimer's happen in neurodegenerative diseases, like all of a sudden? All of his almost all of a sudden, there have been cases where how almost is almost. Almost is like two days. Oh, yeah. So p- typically, something that builds up over ten years somebody abuses a chemical that chemical was not known to science and say this this has happened actually in maryland to a young gentleman that over two or three days he developed Parkinson's. In two days? In, in two, two or three days, yes. about In a few days uh, he developed Parkinson's and it f- was found out that he was experimenting with drugs, making a chemical laboratory in his basement and by <laughs> chance he developed something called a M- compound, now we call MPTP. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this MPTP compound he developed and he ingested it and there is something, a very potent toxin to the neurons which Parkinson slowly destroys but this destroys it like that. So, he developed Parkinson's in a matter of a few days. So, in such cases, obviously, there is no way to know something is going to happen. St- stroke is another example. You can think of something may going to ha- may happen because slightly high cholesterol or something that will uh, have clots in the brain. But it's very difficult to predict. When it happens, it just happens. You know, you just get a stroke over minutes, you suddenly are incapacitated.
0: But stroke would be in that category where these symptoms or the signals
2: do pre-exist. The... Our predictive ability about stroke, yes, there are signals which pre Not the whenness of
0: it, not that it would happen at 7.30 p.m. or
2: this day, but... No, but it's it's still very difficult. Right. The neurodegenerative diseases, we are somewhat closer and probably would be more predictive if we could measure everything. Till now, we can't measure everything. Uh, Stroke, I'll put slightly ahead of that in the sense it will be very difficult to predict because it's, again, a nucleation kind of event, which which could be a single nucleation that will clog a single artery that will cause a stroke, while for neurodegeneration, there are many, many, many nucleation events and forming one or two actually doesn't matter. Probably you and I are forming some of those right away, but it won't matter because you need a lot more of that. But this singular kind of events where nucleation, which is well called stochastic, is very unpredictable. When the first nucleus appears in a test tube is very unpredictable, even in the most well-characterized
3: test tube.
0: Are there there physical phase transitions that can happen all of a sudden? Unpredictably, or or they are relatively more predictable.
3: Well, I mean, I mean, uh, f- uh, physics has start uh, studied, uh, I mean, and tried to make it more and more predictable because I mean the knowledge has grown, but uh, it has uh, not been. I mean, I mean, earthquake. I don't know whether it is a phys- phase transition or not, uh, yeah. and uh, people have not yet been able because of some uh, lack of information. That is the kind of uh, I, I mean. Believe Now, one thing I would, uh, I mean, Alain was mentioning that, I mean, I I believe this part of our uh, inability or maybe the basic reason we believe sometimes that it is unpredictable is because it is linguistic. Many of these things, say for an event. Now, event is a kind of thing which is uh, a linguistic way of characterizing something. Now, I mean, not just an event, for example, chair. Now there are. I mean, every chair is different. I mean, maybe you can say that there are four uh, legs on which it is.
0: But you still know now, the category.
3: It is a category. I mean, you were saying, but you do not know whether it is the same. I mean, the the kind of. Um, I mean, all cancers are. I mean, each cancer may be a different, different disease. Now, since I didn't. Uh, I mean, I am characterizing it as a cancer. I am uh, thinking that in this case, I t- my things didn't point. work.
0: Are you, are you on this, Shudipta? That's an interesting point. So, all the NDDs, I mean, or for that matter, even all the Parkinson's, which we're all calling Parkinson's, yeah. maybe, uh, may not be maybe the same. different chairs. No, I be, mean, like, like chairs.
3: I mean, all chairs are not the same. I mean, that, that one, I mean, or if I have a tripod and I have the cha- uh, rock, rocking chair like that operator, it's still a chair. Now, this it looks like, I mean, because we have linguistically identified Because it it,
0: you said that the common thing is that proteins are misfolding in all these situations or there's some kind of aggregation. Is that the chair variety confusion or do they all misfold in the same way? There's something similar to all of them in a robust specific kind of way in a very no, actually
2: there is a bit of that share uh, Vikasha's share in there that uh, yeah. misfolding is not something that is uh, absolutely well defined in a mathematical way there are different kinds of misfoldings you possible. can't look at a protein and say it's misfolded or ha- or as well the, actually the folded state is pretty well defined oh. so I can mm-hmm. always say it is misfolded <laughs> but that means the two misfoldings may not be exactly the be same okay.
0: Right. So I think And there that are infinitely th- many kinds of mis- there, I mean,
2: So, But that's... A, um, even if we could observe it, it ultimately comes down to uh, poverty of language, right? Your yeah. experience and my experience mm-hmm. in looking mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. event is not going to be the same. The bomb has burst here. You saw something or well, one little uh, thing flew over there. I did uh, see something else. Everybody sees something different. Yet we describe that as an event that the bomb explosion. So I think uh, every event as perceived or as measured by different instrument or perceived by different human beings is different, in you, a sense. You, you agree to And uh, because it's just not enough uh, words available to describe these.
3: And it's not possible. Otherwise, language not would possible. not be possible. I mean, if we would not have this characterization or yes. kind of sets of uh, I mean, so there is the categories in a set, uh, we would not be able to uh, communicate, con- convey Let's see what Len has so, to say to that. Except in mathematics, are, are, where the theory is particularly uh, very precise, elsewhere we have this problem and uh, that may create indeterminism, for example, also comes from there, I believe. I mean, it's not necessary to have <laughs> indeterminism.
1: So. I would agree. I mean, I I think it's necessary to have generalizations and use general categories. I mean, obviously, finding a cure for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or mm-hmm. predicting earthquakes is valuable for humans to survive. But I'm not sure that's the only way through which you would understand experience. Um, <laughs> but also, I think I would agree with Sadhupta, right, uh, that um, that we don't have there is an impoverishment of language to to singularize uh, our, our our experiences. I mean, chairs is is a good experience, but they're really they're only different by numerical and spatial locations. But I think experiences are. Are more singular than than different chairs, mm-hmm. um, but again, that's why I mean, at least the philosophy I work in for bit, this is for better or worse develops its own terminology, sometimes very bizarre terminology, and but to capture <laughs> but to capture something that's that is kind of unique or very singular or very differentiated from from other things that we that we've already thought about. So, um, but there so what, some, what
0: what do you have in mind when you say that?
1: I mean, what words? Yeah. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Derrida's Neologism uh, Differance, uh, which he spells with an A, not a second E. Right. It's D-I-F-F-E-R-A-N-C-E, which in French, that ending uh, makes it active. It's like differentiating rather mm. than just a difference. Mm. Uh, but that's a, uh, it's a well-known now. Uh, in philosophy, this word is well-known. But when it, was, when it appeared in 1967, people just didn't know what, what he was talking about. You know, so uh, <laughs> um, I mean, there's other words that I can think of that are even more obscure, like the um, uh, Deleuze, who I was just teaching uh, last night. Uh, he has this word vice diction. I'm still not sh- sure I know what it means, but it's something to be uh, supposed to contradiction. Where contradiction has a you know a and not a uh, together, that's a contradiction. Where vice diction seems to be of a a prime. A double prime, and so on. So, but again, I'm, that's my best guess. I'm a, I'm a scholar in this flaw, but I'm still not sure I know what this word means. It doesn't, you won't find it in any dictionary.
0: What's your, what's your intuition on this? No, presume Obviously, Sudipto is working on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. It's his territory. But do you think, uh, do you and Sudipto agree on this fact that some of this may be just uh, a big linguistic categorization problem? Is it genuinely an impo- impoverishment of language problem? Do you
2: experience it? Do you feel that? Well, uh, to the extent, uh, look, we're interested in uh, describing a problem and uh, to reach the solution for it. To the extent that this can be categorized so there is a common solution possible, I guess humankind would not care. But yes, every uh, patient, I'm sure, is suffering slightly differently, Mm -hmm. even though we sort of Mm -hmm. put a boundary saying that they're all suffering from Alzheimer's. But as long as the solution may be common and is applicable to all of them, I guess the society would not. But it's, the, it's the latter the
0: where the, the 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 problem arises, right? Because obviously, when you do that, you presume that the same solution would apply to everybody. When it's very it's, obvious
2: in cancer. I mean, that itself one, may not be yeah, accurate. No? Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you say, "Oh, this is very effective; it works for eighty percent of the cancer," why is it not working for the other twenty percent? Right. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So obviously, this is not the same disease. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, people are interested in certain outcomes and. If their way of thinking about something, categorizing something can make them reach that outcome, I think they would say that there is no poverty of language here. I mean, it doesn't matter really if you could uh, describe it better. But um, obviously, ultimately, our experiences, our physiology, everything for man to man is completely different. And there would be variants of the disease, Uh, that would be possible, and some. Therefore, there is this talk of genetic medicine, you know, personalized mm-hmm. medicine, mm-hmm. etc. Some would have to be solved by taking care of these differences.
0: If there are different experiences, there should be different cures. It could be different cures. That's right. What's the future? What's ahead? Is is it is it possible to have a meta theory of sorts for for this whole signal business for being able to for being able to say what? signals can be read and what signals cannot be read. How 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 much do you think our understanding of, you know, whatever mathematics and physics is likely to be applicable to the somewhat social dimension? Now crowds you and see, traffic uh, is still relatively simpler. I mean they're still I mean which is not to say that they are they're not fun or achievements, but they're still relatively simpler, wouldn't you agree?
3: As a natural scientist I have a belief that it will be gradually I mean we are making progress more and more to get the signals earlier and I mean to solve our uh, whatever kind of dynamics that we have about I mean in mind about the model of the system and then we are trying to get and understand more and more but we are long way I mean in terms of understanding everything so that happens the frontier actually is proceeding for sure. One thing uh, I must mention that there is There was a traditional way, what we have, an intuitive way of modeling. Uh, I mean, all uh, scientists had their way of modeling, not all the degrees of freedom, uh, because uh, the entire world is a huge thing. I mean, we isolate some part, which we call, this is a physical part, this is a chemical part. But all these are actually uh, together. But we isolate and then try to study that part and then make models Sometimes we are successful, sometimes we find that it is not working, then we extend mm-hmm. a bit further and so on. In this endeavor, uh, computer science has added already quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Let us assume that, uh, I, mean, I think, uh, hydrodynamics was formulated, Navier Stokes, I mean, more than 100 years now. right? And we have not been able to solve the hydrodynamical equations to, f- to see the simple water falling down from a... Distance and then right. the way it is going. Uh, one part of uh, one, uh, I mean, part of the water f- uh, is going f- uh, some ten feet on that direction. Another part is going twenty feet another direction, only for falling from, say, twenty feet above, and almost from a narrow nozzle. Because when it becomes turbulent, we c- cannot solve. I mean, they, their initial condition sure. where they were just neighboring, and sure. now they have gone so much apart. Now this thing is not yet possible, but remarkable thing is that instead of solving the individual degrees of freedom, what uh, physicists like to call or uh, think about that, you can have a kind of collective picture and that's called, and then look at the kind of pattern that are coming out. Look at weather forecast. So I mean, you're
0: saying computation can replace theory. You don't need theory. Not
3: replace. It will not be able to. Uh, when it is a new phenomena coming or an unf- unforeseen event is coming, then, then of useless. course it will fail.
0: It's useless. Because but then you when don't have it is a patterns. very well
3: known uh, kind of feature repeating, but we cannot solve. Right. Like in hydrodynamics, uh, weather for, um, sure. changes. But now you can see almost seven days. Uh, earlier, our uh, pattern Meta-focus recognition, using the accurate. computers, yeah. are more or less giving. Now you can see, uh, even my granddaughter can uh, draw, I mean, uh, if I draw a kind of sinusoidal curve, uh, she can uh, extend that easily, without understanding what is sine curve or a sure. curve. She can understand <laughs> the pattern. Now here, our weather forecasting machinery is just that. You don't understand the basic mechanism, you don't want to solve that either. But you want to try to find out whether collectively there is a kind of pattern in it. Yeah. And this is very important. Some people say that, well, between Newton and uh, and myself, the only difference is he could uh, per, uh, kind of conceive of more patterns. Uh, so pattern recognition is not just a simple thing always. right? Uh, knowing, I mean, the doctors just, I mean, the earlier days, just from the, I mean, the pulse rates could read so much about my physical health and we were all surviving. I mean, not because there were uh, (laughs) the the doctor, but of course now it has become even better because there are so many other pathological tests and so on. But in earlier days, only pulse. (laughs) (laughs) So with that change in pattern, they could find out that this could be the possible reason. So that doesn't mean the science is there. It has, you have to grow because it would not, if it would be able to solve everything, then there would be nothing. Uh, I mean, we would not go for further. It, is, it will never be that. I mean, hydrodynamics will not be understood and some new features of, I mean... Uh, that,
0: that's it's, because it's, that was primarily a computation problem. We just had so many variables. This and,
3: computational thing is also doing a lot. The solar cycle, we cannot, uh, because it is not on this, average 14 years.
0: Does this resonate with you, Sudipto? Because there's a way in which you don't need all the science to, 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 to be able to say what's here or what's happening or what might happen ahead. I think I'm on the same wavelength. So pattern recognition,
2: I mean, doesn't need to substitute science, of course, but... So there are, uh, you know, two extremes of phenomena.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. One extreme, the phenomenon is uh, governed mostly by a single or very few parameters. Right. In which case, I think the approach, the scientific correct scientific approach, or the most productive scientific approach, would be to understand deeply what those parameters mean and how do they behave. Set up equations so that you can solve, and therefore you'd be able to predict. The other extreme is extremely multi-parameters. Just so many initial conditions, so many little forces here and there I change it. There. As of now, the best approach would be the Google approach. You know, have a lot of parameters, uh, have a lot of patterns stored in in your database. Anything uh, comes in, you try to fit. Kind of
0: science, yeah. Yeah,
2: try to find it and then predict that uh, this is going to happen. But that is never going to predict something new. Unless you just say, okay, I have millions of these patterns and it matches none of them. It's unlike everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, probably new something entry. new is coming. A new entry. Yeah. And, and protein folding, <laughs> that's the same thing. And we yeah. still
3: don't know why given no, a sequence. It cannot be a, a substitute, substitute ever. It cannot ever be a substitute. Of, but protein have, folds you, in a particular way.
0: You can have brute force. No, You can have like millions no. of patterns. Unless you know the match.
2: equations then you want to have brute right, force. The so brute right. force comes when you Only know the if you have a equations. bank of patterns you're matching with. Yeah, but no, nothing new will come out of it. So, right. same problem in protein folding. Nowadays, for pharmaceutical companies, they have gotten disgusted with the progress of fundamental understanding. They just said, do, do, do p- pattern matching. We know the 100,000 proteins, how their structures are. Take a new protein. This part matches with that protein. That part matches with that protein. The protein must well, be looking like this. Yeah. 80% ca- cases, they are correct. <laughs> but the other 20% mm-hmm. cases, is a new fold and there's right. no mm-hmm. way to know about it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's very useful to have a Google approach to uh, sort of solving the problems and probably reasonably effective. But in some cases, it won't be e- effective at all. In some cases, you'll be missing out on the parameters, uh, which are the inherent parameters, understanding Mm -hmm. which would give you a lot more predictive power.
0: We'll try to end with you, Len. It seems like what we're grappling with here is essentially the nature of a pattern, right? Because if you recognize patterns, then at some level you're able to read signals or whatever. I mean, you're able to um, and obviously pattern is a very, very, very complex thing. It's not able to where are we on this what is Deleuze like likely to say what what what's the future like well, what, what signals do you read well,
1: what's I agree going to with happen what, uh, what's been said I mean I, I don't think patterns are, will be able to predict anything new so uh, um as I was saying before if we go back to this murmur idea or um it, it murmurs clearly indeterminate and that indetermination is something that we Taken up in order to produce something new out of it to give it some determination, but insofar as indeterminate, you can't predict what what that would look like. Even when you say give it some sort of form, um,
0: you have to process the murmur. You have yeah, to yeah, yeah. extract patterns out of that and so yeah.
1: on. But pr- it would be producing something new because it's it's not determinate It wouldn't be just a, a copy of the mm-hmm. of the murmur because it's indeterminate. So it'd be uh, it'd be something new, uh, even if it looks like a repetition, it would still be a repetition that's, that's not really um, just a copy of what went before. So, but I mean, uh, uh, I don't have anything to say about the future. I don't know any signs. I'm not, uh, not a prophet or anything. So, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I don't know uh, what to say about that. But I mean, um, uh, one thing with this, uh, by focusing so much on events, is, because uh, obviously events, you can't force them to happen. Uh, and that means if you're you end up in this condition of waiting for the event, and that seems to be uh, uh, not a good place to be. Just to be waiting, it means you're not active. It seems to be a kind a, of more passive. Yeah, kind of quietism, even. And uh, but part of the waiting is you, uh, you,
0: you don't like that. Philosophers don't like that. It, it, it's too fatalistic.
1: Well, I mean, I think philosophers. I mean, uh, in our tradition, going back to Socrates, uh, have been active politically and have tried to bring about change so we we still have that model of socrates of being a teacher but teaching in order to transform people so they behave think differently and behave differently so this idea of being sort of quiet and not engaged with other people while you're waiting seems to be you know not not being genuinely philosophical but again but obviously that
0: socratic approach means that there is a belief that you can change yeah. because we we're, we're discussing teleology and all of that and whether that is a direction in which things are headed, anyway. But the very fact that you feel that your actions can change something is is it's a little strange, isn't it, to believe that? Of course, one can change something at a very individual kind of level, but um, to be able to believe that you can change history is is a little strange, wouldn't
1: you agree? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, that would be very pessimistic to think that we couldn't change history. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, with uh, Donald Trump in charge. I would certainly hope history changes pretty soon. So, you know, so... Um, but... Um, sure. But uh, I don't know about this waiting, though. I mean, one of the things that um, one can do is prepare for the change, to actually do all the training and studying and, and learning that you can do to be able to engage when the event happens so that that's some way of getting around the quietism. You know, that if you're actually doing investigations, doing, doing work... Uh, then we're... It's
0: not fully passive.
1: Exactly, then you're prepared.
0: um, Terrific. I think that's a good note to end this on. And thanks to all of you for making it. And we look forward to having you soon again. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you very much.